Hi everybody, we're back again with Tito's Ride and last episode we did an introduction to the old guard with my friend Mark McCone and uh, the idea of that being that we want to try to introduce some of ideas that have been around a while, some of the more timeless concepts of horsemanship. And today we're going to talk to someone and uh, uh, what we'd like to introduce is the idea is you don't have to be old to be part of the old guard. And I'm here with uh, my good friend Chloe Desjardins, who's a jumping horse trainer. And as a matter of fact, she showed a, uh, a horse for me uh, a few years ago, a hunter, and uh, we became friends through that. Actually, I guess we were friends before that, and that's why, why I brought Remo down, huh? Yeah. Uh, Remo uh, is a horse that I had, and uh, uh, I had, had tried having some people show him, and uh, there were a lot of health problems coming up, and um, I knew uh, actually Chloe and uh, some of her concepts and the fact that she'd been doing this uh, since she was 12 years old, and you know, really been acting as a professional for a long, long time, even though she's only in her 20s. And she is very much experienced, uh, uh, influenced by um, people that uh, uh, are sort of uh, steeped in the tradition of jumping horsemanship. And uh, so I brought Remo down, and um, uh, as soon as he got two Chloe's, he never had a lame step again, and he actually went on and was multiple times champion at Brownland and <clears throat> actually ended up being an extremely happy horse. Then it enabled him to move on, and he's got a, a really awesome lifetime home now because Chloe did such a wonderful job developing his mind. Uh, and then in, in the process, too, uh, uh, another really helpful part of that was I was introduced to the veterinarian Phil Hammock, who is one of the best minds I've ever seen in equine medicine. And uh, his philosophy fit really well with Chloe's uh, old school. Uh, uh, Chloe related a story to me about uh, that she had a mare that was colicking a lot. And, um, you know, uh, it could have really resulted in a whole bunch of clinic visits and that sort of thing. And Dr. Hammock uh, simply said, uh, why don't you let her be a horse and take the blankets off of her and turn her outside and magically the colic problem was cured. And uh, uh, that's sort of how Chloe operates. Uh, I actually came down to see Remo and, and I watched Chloe bring him in. She had uh, turnout lots that were like five or six acres for each horse. They were huge. And uh, he was out all day or all night, and uh, she brought him in one day, and she took the halter out and jumped on him bareback and rode him back up the hill in the halter, and uh, that's really what kind of shaped uh, Remo's life and success. So welcome, Chloe. Appreciate your talking with us. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. So uh, what would you say uh, was a major key to your success with Remo and actually all the other horses that I've seen you have success with? You know, my biggest thing I try to do is almost less is more with them. Um, the more we treat them like horses and allow them to be like horses, the more they're willing to work with us for the hour we ask of their day. You know, I, me personally, I can't sit in my house for 22 hours, so why would they want to sit in a box and not have anything to do for that long? So I try and, you know, just treat them like horses, get them out of the ring, ride them up and down hills, trail riding, just, just treat them like they're the animals they are. and you know, they naturally want to work for you a little easier and makes your job a whole lot easier, I'll tell you that. 
kind of like fun for everybody. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I mean, if it's fun for them, they are okay when they have to go in the ring and jump around or go to a show for two weeks. They understand that when they're done with their job, they get to go back to doing what they actually want to do. How about that? What a concept. So, and, uh, you're saying they actually have a say in it. How yeah, about that? Huh? I mean, it's kind of a, you know, a lot of them have shaped me who I am, but you know, it's not always, you can't demand a job out of them. They're, you know, you can show them what you want and if they're happy and they're good place mentally and physically they're a whole lot more willing and happy to do it and not so they don't hate you for it I think uh, a lot of people actually like to be treated like that as yeah well. <laughs> for sure and just like you said you know bringing him in for a halter with a halter and lead rope jumping on him bareback it's just you know it's fun I want to make it fun for them I want them to go out and think it's oh this is awesome we're gonna get to go do this or you know just do something different all the time. I notice there's an awful lot of laughing that goes on in your bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People don't think we're very serious all the time, but that's okay. We have a lot of fun doing it, and to yeah. me, that's what it's about. Well, it's kind of funny. Uh, you kind of sneak up on them, and you end up kicking a little butt. <laughs> too. Yeah. Yeah, so. I noticed, Go ahead. No, I noticed yesterday, <clears throat> you know, we were around, excuse me, <clears throat> we were around the stallion that you're riding, and uh, I know there's a lot of people that get real serious with him, and yeah, uh, you know, really kind of come down on him, and uh, you know, uh, I see the pictures of him jumping, and and uh, uh, that horse is going to express a whole lot more because, you know, you know how horses operate, and you've learned to dance around the dance, and you know, he's a special case. He's taught me a lot about meeting someone in the middle. Um, he's a really special horse. He's still young, so I'm taking my time. I don't want to scare him. I don't want to make him hate his job. But a lot of people that watch me deal with him are like, oh, you just need to, you know, get after him, beat him up, and make him do it. And it's not how he operates. It's not how he's going to operate. If I put that much pressure on him, he's going to come back at me. And I don't want that. You know, I think we've had our success because I've met him in the middle. I've worked around a couple of the quirks, and I've used the quirks to my advantage instead of trying to put him into some box that most people think he needs to be in. You know, again, he's treated like a horse. He goes outside. He lives in the barn with the other horses. He's, we don't treat him like he's any different. Like, yeah, we have to be a little careful with him at the horse shows and whatnot. But I don't want to change who he is. I want to use that to bring out the best of him. I, I think you said something really important there. Um, uh, you know, so many stallions, they live a life of total social isolation, and then they wonder why they're unreasonable. And uh, actually, as I drove here this morning, I was listening to a, a little story on the radio about uh, a guy that's been on death row for 20 years. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> you live in isolation on death row for, for a year or five years, and uh, I don't think you're ever really going to view the, you know, are you going to be ever socially adjusted again? And... Uh, I think, uh, you know, death row and being a stallion and horse showing, yeah. sometimes there's not a lot of difference. And I can't control the atmosphere at a horse show. He has to be able to go out and handle being in an arena with 10 other horses warming up or people or horses lunging or, you know, kids on ponies. And if I isolate him from that at home, how do I expect him to understand the difference at a horse show? They don't know. We're just at a different place and there's a whole lot going on. If he's used to the chaos that it is, He's okay with it. He's not going to become an animal that I don't know how to deal with. What a strange concept. You're actually putting together understanding, time, patience, 
Hmm, what an interesting concept. <laughs> and, you know, like everybody says, like, oh, well, why isn't he this and why isn't he that? And like you just said, it's all about time and patience. He'll let me know when the time is right. He's a young horse. There's no rush. So I'm letting him tell me. I listen to him. I listen to all of them, what they need. You know, some days I'll get on them and they, like, sulk up going to the arena. So I'm like, all right, we're going to go on a trail ride. Let's go on a 30-minute walk around the field, in the grass, down by the river. You know, if we listen, they tell us so much, and so many people don't listen. You know, I've actually, I deal with people two, possibly even three times your age that have been at it forever that <laughs> don't really understand the beauty of what you just said. And you just, it's, you know, it's not words. You don't have to, they don't have to talk to us. They talk to us in their own way, and we just need to be in tune and listen to them. Isn't that and funny? Yeah. I, I think it was Buck Brandman said one time, and said, isn't it odd that we measure the intelligence of horses based on our IQ scale? And uh, it's an entirely different type of intelligence. And, you know, I actually had uh, Terry Knowlton's been helping me with the jumpers here recently, and she came down for some lessons. And he was just, the stallion was just, he just wasn't focused. He just he was lazy, just was meh. So she said, let's just do something fun. We set up one jump set a canter rail to it, let him jump big, let him express himself, let him land, let him play. And she said, you know what? Let's be done for the day. And you know, he came out better the next day because we didn't try to force him into what we thought we needed to work on that day. About he that, told eh? us that, you know, he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling, you know, who knows? Who knows? They're animals. They're athletes. We don't have days where we feel good. And we just need to listen instead of drilling and pounding and drilling and drilling. We just need to listen, and they will tell us so much if we would just take a minute and listen to what they have to say. You know, in dressage today, years ago, I read uh, an article by Huberta Schmidt, who was a, a German dressage legend, and uh, he said that uh, the top 5% of the horses in the world, um, show horses, uh, there are two to three days a week when uh, the best trainers in the world can't ride them, yeah. and uh, they have learned that what we do is do exactly what you just said is we sort of make it a little fun day and uh, let them express themselves and they come back and he says that those top top horses they have to contribute that last little bit that makes them great and uh, he said that's the only way to develop that so uh, you know there's Hubertus who's probably in his 70s or so so I'd say you're on the right track at try it 20 whatever you are so uh, uh, you know, and, and you made me think of something else as you were talking there. We, we, were, we spent a little time talking about tranquilizing horses to ride them. And uh, it's like there is, of course, a time and a place uh, for tranquilizer for sure. Uh, however, uh, I relate a story to you of a, a lady that had been at a particular stable working with those people for 40 years. And, uh, you know, you're kind of supposed to learn something, I thought, maybe, you know, as you go along. And uh, this poor lady was asking the trainer who had been there <laughs> been there only five years uh like can you sedate my horse for me i'm going to ride it today and she sedates the horse every day yeah. and uh i'm like you know did you, you know, to me this goes back to the trainer and uh you know did you sign on to be a horse trainer or a chemist yeah, yeah and, and we see it a lot you know it's one thing that really bothers me about the hunter world is we all think it's it's a big pharmaceutical and you know i'm not saying anything. I do it all very naturally. My horses show on absolutely nothing. How about that? You know, they come to the horse show prepared. So when they are there, it's no different. It's no different than their everyday. You know, they they trust me. We have a good relationship. 
they understand, yeah, okay, they might go for a 15 minute hack in the morning just to get a little fresh off of them, but there's no, there's no gimmicks. There's no, you know, none of my jumpers go in figure eights and martingales and all of these gadgets. It's like if we're, you know, and there's a time and a place for all of it. I'm not saying that they don't belong in our world. There's a time and a place. But I think if we require those every single day, tranquilizers, gimmicks, big bits, more bridle, more stuff, we're doing something wrong. We're absolutely doing something wrong. All of mine hack an illustring big fat snaffle. They don't really show in much more than that. And I just think if we all would take the time and listen, again, go back to listening to them and take the time to do the work, we'd have a lot happier and healthier horses. How about that, huh? And you know, like you mentioned Phil Hammock, and I learned a lot from him. He goes, you know, it's like, again, take them out, let them be horses. Let them be fit enough to do the job we're asking them to do. Take them on different terrains so their bodies are, you know, their feet are just not used to one footing. Because then if we take them somewhere where the footing's not great and they've been on perfect footing their whole life, they're going to, you know, not know how to handle it or they're going to get hurt because their bodies, their tendons, their ligaments are standing in a stall 20 hours a day on perfect footing, perfect shavings. Let them out in the fields and be horses and feel the terrain and you know talking to you and having you work on the horses you work on my horses more out in the field using the hills to adjust their bodies and get them straight than you do in their stalls and I think we just naturally need to let them do what they need to do and we want to confine them and we want to protect them where we end up doing more harm to them than we are good you know I, I, I that you mentioned Dr. Hammock again and uh, I want uh, you know here's here's that advice coming from someone who's worked with the most elite equine athletes in the world, uh, here, Dubai, Ocala. Uh, this is not somebody that has worked with one discipline, but uh, he's worked All with over. the best of the best, and what does it boil down to? Exactly what yeah. you just said. And less is more. You know, like we go back to Remo. You sent me Remo, and he was a knot of tense, frustrated, just, just not happy. Like, he was very clenchy, and I spent probably the first two months just going up and down hills, through the woods, you know, I'd sit on him and teach a lesson, and that was his day. I didn't want him to hate me, I didn't want him to hate the job that I was asking to do, and just had to kind of go back to where he could take a deep breath and realize, it's not that bad, you know, you, you just, you gotta let them just be who they want to be, and then you can just channel that into what you need them to do for you, and they're way more willing to. And he turned into a phenomenal horse. He was the happiest horse, goofy, always was loving, and just... Well, I, I knew something was going on when you sent me the picture of you uh, on him bareback with the halter with a giant, uh, what's Tom Brady's... Uh, <laughs> the New team, England Patriots flag. <laughs> a giant New England Patriots flag, and it's blowing across his face, and and yeah. you're kind of leaning off the back, yeah. and, um, and uh, uh, Remo's standing there like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. What are we gonna do now? Yeah. And uh, I think of so many horses where, you know, they 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 hush everybody in the crowd so that no one drops a, a candy bar wrapper because that horse will leap out of the arena. And uh, kind of think, why why did we get involved in this horse yeah. thing in the first place? Yeah, you know, my biggest thing is not to protect them. Like you just said, you drop a candy wrapper and they explode. You know, I don't stop everybody's world because I'm riding a horse, even if it's a young one. You know what? They have to. It learn that it's not going to get them, it's okay. And then, you know, things happen and, you know, golf carts backfire at a horse show, a horse gets loose and people are freaking out and panicking and it's like, you know, quit putting them in this bubble 
at home and let them experience the outside world and life. And they're going to come here and be okay with whatever happens. Well, uh, I'm, I guess you probably already know it, but I'll, I should let our listeners know that, uh, you know, there is a there is a backside to that as well. Remo now belongs to someone who uh, has horses that she spent a heck of a lot more money for, but Remo is the go-to horse, and Remo is the horse that makes her feel safe, yeah. and they can put anybody on the horse. And uh, it's funny, uh, the trainer will be uh, teaching the, the rider a lesson, and uh, uh, Remo's going around, and he's... He's kind of got his ear cocked over at the trainer. He said, should I jump this full out or should I just kind of shut this one down for him? Like you said, the, the, their language goes far beyond our verbal language. And there is such a connection between those two and uh, becomes a connection between the three, an unspoken connection. And it's very exciting to watch. And, you know, I think changing, not changing the subject a little bit, but like nowadays, no one does their own horsemanship work. They show up. They oh get boy. on their animal oh and they leave. Yes. And that to me is not a relationship. It's not a partnership. It's they're just another thing to that person. And I'm so thankful none of my customers are that way. Like everybody wants to be in the barn. They want to know what's going on. They want to help clean stalls, buckets, scrub buckets, you know, hand graze their horses. And I think that's what's missing. Like I still to this day at 28 with 14 horses at a horse show do not have a groom. Because I want to know that my horse is ready to show that day. I want to know that their legs are tight and there's no bumps, there's no cuts, there's no, you know, I want to make sure their feed was made correctly. You know, it just, I'm the first one in the barn and the last one to leave. Because at the end of the day, their care is my privilege. Like, I am honored to take care of them because they do so much for me. How about that, And, huh? you know, I wrap all of their legs. At the end of the day, it's good to know and go to bed knowing that, Everybody's tucked in. Everybody's good to go, and hopefully tomorrow is a good day. So, and I think that's what's missing from today. You know, these kids, you see them, they show up, they stand on the mountain block, they get on. What bit does your horse ride in? That, whatever is that, and it's just it blows my mind that they don't understand that, and they're missing so much of what this sport really is. With yeah, to comment on that, I'm going to get a little geeky with you. Uh, um, you probably have heard of people talking about dopamine uh-huh. lately, and and uh, you know it's like we got to get a dopamine release. And actually, there's a trend that, uh, in horse trainings where we're going to get a dopamine release, and then the horse will lick and chew and relax. And uh, there's a great book uh, called uh, The Hacking of the American Mind by uh, a brilliant pediatric uh, internist and. Uh, He's really studied this brain reward cascade thing, and um, there are two competing chemicals in the brain, uh, dopamine and serotonin. And uh, dopamine is the pleasure uh, chemical, and serotonin is the happiness uh, chemical. And you and I know, we we at horse shows, we see people extremely privileged to be there and uh, access to anything they want in life, and there's actually very few of them that are happy. And I always wonder, how is that even possible? And actually, uh, the book, this book, uh, The Hacking of the American Mind, he, uh, uh, it's like, duh, this is what it makes sense. Uh, when you have uh, so many people approach this horse thing, like you say, I want to get on the mounting block, I want to jump and jump and get my high. So they get their dopamine release. And if you do that, if you do dopamine release all the time, you actually block the uptake of serotonin, the ability to actually be happy in your life. So you're living fixed to fix to fix. Yeah. Like that's what happens with a cocaine addict, addict is, yeah. is uh, they, they produce dopamine and all of a sudden uh, their brain is incapable even of uh, 
of, uh, of producing happiness. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think maybe, I don't know, instead of cocaine, maybe they ought to try you. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing that bothers me in this time is like one little thing goes wrong and it's like, oh, we need to sell that horse. It's not a good horse. Oh, Let's boy. Move on to the Isn't next that one. something? And it's just like, what are you doing? Where's your personal sense yeah. of commitment I to mean, to a task? Yeah. It's like, up, oh, whatever. And they just pawn them off on the next person. Yes. And it's just like, you know, they're again, they're animals, they're athletes. Everybody has their off days. Everybody has their bad days. It's just part of what it is and just accept it and... Try and do better, you know, work better for your animal, do better for your animal, and come out the next day and try. Well, and I learned about you, uh, you know, uh, not that you'd ever do anything illegal or anything, but, you know, you, you got into this early, and you're hauling horses when you're 12 years old. And, uh, uh, you know, somewhere in there, uh, you ended up with a sense of responsibility, right. which is evident in what you say. You know, at 12 years old, I went to Ocala for four months and was responsible for six horses. I was up <laughs> every single morning. Then went down to the barn, found out what it was all about, and, you know, like, I was very thankful to meet somebody by the name of Sissy Haywood that gave me that opportunity and trusted me and believed in me, and, you know, she gave me the chance to learn, and Bill Wolf, you know, really shaped a lot of my career, and it was old school. It was less is more, you know, don't, don't jump their legs off, don't, you know, no gimmicks, no big bridles, big bits, just let them be horses, and... I learn every day. I never stop learning from them. You know, you said don't jump their legs off, and I noticed that uh, amongst all of the really kind of the elite trainers is uh, uh, they do not, you know, the, the, the owners come and they want their high and like, we're going to jump them every mm -hmm. day. We're going to jump, and the, the elite do not do that. No. Yeah, I'm, if the, the elite, if they jump their horses once a week at yeah. home, it's a lot. And, and it's never big. Like, I never jump my big jumpers big. If they jump three foot before we go to the horse show, that's jumping big for them at home. That's uh, that, that sounds like training to oh, me. Wow. Uh, um, uh, well, I, I think I think uh, I think people have kind of gotten the idea of why I wanted to talk to you and why it's important for people to know what you do here. Um, so I think we'll wrap it up. And is there anything in closing that you'd like to say? Just have fun enjoy it we're, we're lucky we're lucky to be surrounded by these animals enjoy them and have fun and just keep learning you never stop learning in this business and listen watch you know a lot of people go to the horse shows and don't watch i go to the ring and watch these top jumper riders these top hunter riders warm up in school and y'all you know you didn't it's not that you're going to incorporate it all into what you do but you learn something and you can learn something from everybody and i've been really lucky to be surrounded by good horse people and take a little something away from everyone it sounds including to me, you <laughs> well, it's, it's, it sounds to me like you bottom line here is you have not been afraid to work no uh, and you have to it's the I mean bottom line is if you're not willing to do the work then you might as well just not even try because seven days a week it doesn't matter they can't you know everybody's like oh aren't you doing this for Christmas it's like no there's horses to take care of and I'm okay with that like because it's Again, not for everyone, but yeah, it is exactly, for the successful. Exactly. Huh? It's what it takes to do it, and I want to do it, and that's what it takes. Well, I really appreciate it, yeah, Chloe. Thank you you've for been having a, me. You've been an awesome part of my life, and uh, I, I'm really happy to be able to share you with some other people. Absolutely. So thanks thank very you. much. Absolutely.